So indeed, we are living in some unprecedented times, and yet it is not a time to abandon the worship of Jesus, but actually it is a time that we should, in love and good works, exhort one another to stir up these things. Because we understand that our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at a section of 1 Corinthians where Paul teaches about communion. And so at the close of this message, we will receive communion together it seems appropriate if we're going to concentrate our teaching on the subject of communion that we should partake in it as well but today we're going to look at a message from first corinthians 11 verses 17 through 34 titled the lord's supper we begin with paul saying i shall not praise you verses 17 through 22 Second, Paul giving the Lord's Supper, verses 23 through 26. And then finally, discerning the Lord's body, verses 17 through 34. I want to go ahead and read the main section of this, which is the institution of the Lord's Supper that Paul received from the Lord and gave to us in scripture. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us to gather back together as a church body. And, Lord, it is also a day that we are going to be reminded of the importance of receiving communion and the significance of it in a church in a believer's life so father i pray that you would bless our time together this day we pray in the name of jesus amen so we have uh 
I shall not praise you. Paul begins in verses 17 through 22. Now back in verse 2 of chapter 11, Paul had praised the church, the Corinthians, for their remembrance of him and also their keeping of the traditions that he had given them. The traditions that he had referred to there was the proclamation of the word of God that came through the apostles and also the written letters, the epistles, what we have today contained in the New Testament. He said, I praise you back in verse two in keeping these things. But we come to verse 17, we find that Paul had no praise for their conduct in connection to the Lord's Supper. In verse 17, he said, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. The purpose for the church coming together is to, as I said earlier, to stir up and to exhort one another in love and good works. But sadly, the Corinthian believers gathered not for the better, but Paul said for the worse. To gather for the better would refer to the advantage, the usefulness that we find in coming together as the body of Christ. But actually there in Corinth, Paul said, you come together for the worse, meaning that it was actually weakening the body of Christ, weakening the fellowship. It was for the lesser, not for the better. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We are to come together as the body of Christ to stir up. And it's always used in the good sense, this Greek word to stir up. It's used in the good sense in the Bible to stimulate, to motivate one another. We must stir up one another in love and in good works. A people who are willing to hold fast to the confession of our faith in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, even in the ever-changing world that we live in, and the doubts that the world puts toward us, even today the church is being looked down upon by many in the world because of their desire to come together as the body of Christ to worship. And there is a struggle in every state of our nation at this time. And we have, as a body of Christ, never experienced a time like this. Historically, when troubles came upon a society, especially like here in the United States, the church was the place where people would come and gather together to band together, to gain strength with one another. And now in many in our society look down upon the church for in, even attempting to do so. But Paul gave instruction when they gathered together as the body of Christ, he said, first of all, when you come together as the church, I hear that there is division among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Sadly, when the Corinthians gathered together for communion, they called it the agape feast, the love feast. When they gathered together for communion, they were not stirring up and exhorting one another in love and good works. No, when they gathered together, there were divisions and factions among them. 
A division basically meaning to split or to sever, to tear apart. And the factions, it's actually, it's a Greek word that means to choose. And so it's dealing with the body of Christ and the sects that were taking place. They were dividing among themselves. We know that this took place because we read about it earlier back in chapter 1 where some were saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Yet when we come together, we're not to have division, we're not to have factions. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 10, Paul had already pleaded with them saying, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no division among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. Our ultimate approval comes from Jesus Christ. Even so, the believers in Corinth had divided into those groups. As we read about in chapter 1, verse 12, some siding with Paul, some Apollo, some with Peter, some of Christ. They were more concerned, it would appear, about the approval that they gained from others than the approval that they had already found in Christ Jesus our Lord, that they were the approved because of the work of Jesus Christ in their lives. That is what we should be more concerned with, not about what group we might uh, side with, what opinion in church life. We have a, a variety of different opinions in church life, but the overall a faction that we should be under is that of the approval of Jesus Christ. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And yet they were allowing the subcategories, the sub-factions, they're one in Christ Jesus, but they were allowing these subcategories to actually take away from the worship of the body of Christ together. In verses 20 through 22, he said, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the other. One is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you have houses to eat and drink in? Do you not have houses? Of course they do. Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? Paul says, I do not praise you. The Corinthians were not looking after the needs of others when they came together, but they were looking after the needs of themselves. As each came together with his own supper, they were taking the meal ahead of others. They were leaving some hungry and the others were not only to fill up too much, but they were also drinking and becoming drunk. Paul challenged them. He said, if you're coming together for the meal, you got a house that you can eat a meal at. You got a house that you can drink your wine app, but don't do this at the church. You're actually despising God and shaming the people. To despise God, the church of God, it's a Greek word that speaks about to think down upon or against, and it signifies to actually think slightly of. What's more important when we come together? Our status, our position that we might have under the uh, authority of the gospel or is it Jesus Christ himself and that Christ is glorified we are to lift up Jesus we are to glorify Christ in all things that we do and 
they were actually shaming others or putting others to shame. The Greek word could be translated as, as they came together as the body of Christ. They did not merely divide into certain factions, whether of Paul or Apollos, Peter or Christ. They also had divisions of social classes, especially between the rich and the poor. They shamed God's people. And Paul's not talking about uh, the rich dividing their wealth with the poor. He's simply talking about here, making sure that there at the agape feast, that they all shared equally and divided in the feast. But there were those who were actually gluttons and taking the meal while others were left starving. And in reality, there were the poor within the fellowship that needed the food more than the others did. Therefore, Paul refused to praise over this. Now, there are certain etiquettes within the uh, church itself. When we gather together, when we're able to gather together, we do it quite well here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa for a potluck meal. We understand uh, what it means to bring food, to share in the food itself, to make sure everybody has a little. But Lily and I, many years ago, attended a church in Libertyville where they began offering, a, a, initially it was a potluck meal every Wednesday evening that people could come and eat the meal and then stay for church. And eventually they actually got licensed that they could cook the meal and for two bucks a person, you could come and have dinner and stay at church. Well, during the one of the potluck sections of these meals, we watched a mother with her children purchase some Kentucky Fried Chicken and she didn't put it on the common table. She left it for her table and for her children, but then went to the common table to get the sides. That is not what potluck is supposed to be about. You don't, you know, bring your steak. What are you guys having? Well, we're having steak. What kind of sides did you bring for me today? Now, if you're gonna have steak, share the steak with everyone. If you're gonna have chicken, share the chicken with everyone. This young mother did not understand koinonia. She did not understand what it was supposed to be like at a Baptist potluck at that time. When we gather together as a church, communion is to be a great reminder of our unity in Christ Jesus and our unity with one another. As we move to verses 23 through 26, I find that I have either read from or quoted from these passages, uh, this passage so many times because it is such a familiar passage for us when we receive communion. Paul gave instruction and he began the instruction in verse 23 saying, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. And this should always be the method of our ministry, to receive from Jesus before serving others. Moses, it tells us in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 4, verse 5, that he received from God the Ten Commandments, the law, the commandments that he gave, but he received from God and then delivered them to the children of Israel. Moses first received from the Lord and then delivered that which he received from the Lord to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 4, 5 says, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. 
So Moses, a great example of this. Also Jesus and the disciples, they also are a great example of this, especially at the feeding of the 5,000. There's also the feeding of the 4,000, but I have us looking at John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 11, where it tells us Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. So the disciples received the bread, the disciples received the fish from Jesus, and then they took what they had received from Jesus and they gave it to others as much as they wanted. And this should always be the method of our ministry. That which I have received from the Lord, I also give to you. Verse 23 speaks about the body first. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The unleavened bread of communion is symbolic of the Lord's body, which was broken through the pains of the cross. In Luke 22:19, Jesus said, This is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus spoke those words as he broke the bread at that last Passover meal with his disciples. And he distributed the bread to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. That we are to do this in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And although Jesus' scourging is horrific and hard to comprehend, what is even harder to understand, it is through his stripes that we are healed. The stripes that were supposed to bring reproach upon Jesus has actually resulted in the healing of those who put their faith in him. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. We have koinonia, we have fellowship, a partnership in the body of Christ because of the work of Jesus Christ, his death upon the cross, his body that was broken for us. It's by his stripes, Peter said, you were healed, as us looking back to the work of the cross. But then in Isaiah 53, 5, it tells us he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. By his stripes you are healed uh, speaks about the current circumstance that we find ourselves, where we're at right now in our lives, that the Lord Jesus Christ, you were healed, has us looking back to his work upon the cross. You are healed, has us looking to the current work that Jesus does to each one who puts his faith in him in our lives today. But it's not just the body that was broken, it's also the blood. Verse 25, he says, in the same manner, <laughs> we'll do it the old school way. Apparently my iPad is too hot to be out in the sun. <laughs> Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The cup itself speaks about the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ that brings cleansing in our lives. And this is the standard that God has set in his word. He tells us in Leviticus 17:11 that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness of sin. And likewise, in the New Testament, in Hebrews 9:22, he says it again, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That God had determined that the necessity of blood as a covering of the sin. Now, originally that blood came through the sacrifices there on the altar, a sacrifice of a, a oxen, a bull, a lamb, or a goat, or a dove. And their blood became a sacrifice for the individual, or for the nation, or for a family. But ultimately, it speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, that John the Baptist, who told us in John 1, 29, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it's because of his sacrifice, his blood, that we find the remission of sin. And so likewise, verse 25, in the same manner after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, as after, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That there in communion is the proclamation. And that's something that in the recent years that personally I came to discover in the receiving of communion, that there is also the proclamation. As we gather together, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We look back to the Lord's work upon the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. But we also look forward to his second coming, that the Lord is coming again. And one of the reasons that we receive the communion meal is a testimony that we believe that Jesus is coming again. And that we have aligned ourselves in faith with Jesus Christ. That we are the children of God. Paul continues to speak about the importance of receiving the communion as individuals. He says in verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. You know, when I think about coming to the communion meal, receiving communion and prayer before communion, personally, I, I view myself as always unworthy. I am unworthy in my own flesh, my own heart, my own mind, we might say. But it is Christ Jesus who brings us to that place of becoming worthy. Because if we try to equate our worthiness by the things that we do, the works that we do, or the things that we do not do, the things that we keep ourselves from, and then we are, in a sense, taking the approach of a works towards salvation approach. In reality, we are all unworthy of the body and blood of Christ. It's only Jesus Christ 
who has made us worthy. It's Jesus through his work on the cross that by faith that we are found worthy when we believe in Jesus' work, his death, burial, and resurrection. But it's Jesus Christ that makes us worthy. It's faith in the work of Jesus Christ that we become worthy. But it does not mean that we are without sin. And so the communion meal then becomes a great place where we come together to ask the Lord individually as we gather together corporately to receive communion, to ask the Lord individually to cleanse us and to wash us and to make us whole. So we receive communion this day, Lord, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, remembering, Lord, the work that you did upon the cross, your body that was broken that we might gain healing by your stripes we were healed, the blood that was shed that we might be covered and forgiven of our sins. We do this, Lord, today in remembrance of you, the body and blood of Christ. You may eat the bread and drink the cup. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Thank you.